0: Today, you can already see if you're watching on YouTube, I got my buddy, Mike, who is Junk Wax Hero on YouTube and a very good friend of mine with me. Mike, are you excited
1: about today's episode? I am so excited. This is the most excited I've been for an episode, probably. Even on your own channel? Yeah, this, this trumps that. <laughs> I have actually done an episode about this very topic before. Well
0: for those of you that didn't read and just hit play on your podcast and didn't even care what the episode was about, we get to interview Dick Perez today and he is someone who's been very influential in my collecting style over the years. I'll tell that story in a second, but Mike, why don't you, what does Dick Perez mean to you and your collecting?
1: Yeah. When I was a kid, I was a collector from 1986 to 94 roughly and my favorite cards were the Donruss Diamond Kings cards, they are beautifully painted, designed. They were just amazing, amazing cards. And when in 2003, as I was moving out of my parents' house, uh, I just graduated college. Uh, I was kind of downsizing my collection down to the the most important parts of it, and the one one of the few things that I kept was my binder of Diamond King's cards. And when I got back into collecting a few years ago now, one of the things I started doing was getting autographs on those Diamond King's cards. Uh, it's uh, it's a blast. And they're just the nicest, most beautiful cards. It's You don't really see anything like this anymore. And it's just exciting to collect them.
0: Yeah, it's definitely unique. And to me, art and baseball have always been synonymous baseball cards, especially. Right. I mean, even I remember art of Saturday evening post covers, you know, done by um, Norman Rockwell. And then you've got Leroy Neiman and you, I collect a lot of sports art because I just love it. Uh, Ron Lewis, uh, even in upper deck, you know, they had uh, Vernon Wells senior paint a lot of their stuff. And so there's a lot of great sports artists out there. But the reason Dick Perez is so special to me is because, again, I started collecting in 81. Well, the first Diamond Kings were 82, right? And so that was just, and my parents bought me mostly Donruss, ironically. And so I always had the Diamond Kings. I always looked forward to every year who was going to be the Texas Rangers representative in the Diamond Kings, who was going to be the guy that, that they chose to be the Diamond King. That was always something I looked forward to as a kid. And couldn't wait to open packs and figure out that mystery. And then it became as I got older and I started collecting Hall of Famers and making that a primary focus. It was the Hall of Fame postcards, the celebration set, the uh, great moments, you know. And so I went, oh my gosh, I love everything this guy has ever done. I'm going to just start getting everything that I can get signed by a Hall of Famer and I have I have what's called the Dick Perez master checklist of everything I'm trying to get it's hundreds and hundreds of items that Dick Perez has painted that have appeared on a baseball card essentially or a, or a postcard and I'm trying to get them all signed and so it's a daunting task and yet a wonderful project that I enjoy doing I've even done the Hall of Fame Heroes set that was a huge set for me as a kid that, that came out in 1983 and I have all of those signed by all the Hall of Famers that were alive when that set set came out. So it's, again, it's just literally permeated my entire collecting life, my entire 43 years in this hobby. And it's just, it it means a lot. So the fact that we get to talk to him today, and we're going to get to talk to Mark Evans, who there's a documentary coming out about Dick Perez's life and career. And so we're going to kind of get into that. Are you ready for that? Ready? Let's do it. You have Your questions ready? Okay. Let's bring on uh, Mark and Dick Perez. Welcome, guys, to the show. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thanks for having
0: us. You're As very- I told my mom, <laughs> <laughs> right, tell your mom thanks for having me. Uh, mm-hmm. Mark, I think I want to start with you because I want to talk about this documentary that you have coming out because it's. Uh, I've seen the trailer. Uh, it, it, I can't wait to watch it. You know, obviously, there's something near and dear to me. But w- maybe if there, if people out there aren't. Uh, maybe they know just secondhand about Diamond Kings and about Dick Perez's career doing sports art. Why should somebody want to watch this documentary?
3: Yeah. um, You know, I I would hope obviously that that collectors and fans of Dick Perez, you know, they're going to want to watch it, but I'm always when I do uh, a documentary that's biographical in nature, I'm definitely looking to make it uh, accessible to a larger audience beyond just kind of, you know, the people that you would think about. And I think in, in Dick's case, in the, sto- in the story of this film, it's his the, the inspirational life story uh, of coming to America you know, by himself on an airplane from Puerto Rico as a six year old and not knowing any English and, and landing in New York and learning about the country and the language through baseball and um, and, it, it, and ultimately, you know, having the, the life and the career that he's had. Um, and that's what's insp- that's what inspired me to tell the story because the, the way that it all happened, you know, I collected as a kid, loved the Diamond Kings, um, got away from it for a while, and then my son, who's 12 now, a couple years ago, he started really getting into baseball, and, and I guess it was last year, really started getting into collecting himself, and he wanted to see my old collection, so we're going through it, and he's asking about the Diamond Kings, and so at first it just started off curiosity: is what what is the story of the the you know Dick Perez that painted these cards, and you know I, I didn't know it. And, um, and when I when I did some research and and found out about his life story and found out about the, you know the fact that it wasn't just Diamond Kings that, that this painter did it was painting the whole history of baseball um, that's where I you know it, I didn't go into this thinking oh this this is uh, a film I want to make it was doing that research and realizing wow, this could be a great film. I should reach out and see if he's interested and fortunately he was.
0: How did that first conversation go? When you reach out to him, what did that go like? Yeah,
3: you know, I think it was just, you know, I found an email for him. I just sent an email address. Um, at the time, I uh, my, my most recent film, Clay Dream, had just come out. Um, and, it was, you know, it was getting good reviews and everything. So I made sure to link up to all those reviews so he could see who I was. And uh, and it was just a short email to say, you know, I, I, I think your story is great. I'd love to chat about doing something. Um, would you be up for a call? And he replied, you know, the next day or something like that and said, yeah, let's talk. And, uh, and that first call, it was, you know, just getting to know each other, but we probably talked for an hour or two and had a really good time. And, uh, and I think I just proposed, Hey, you know, I'm going to be in New York. I live in Washington state, but I was going to be in New York uh, for that same film. Um, why don't we just do an interview, get you on camera and see how we like it, see how we get along. And we had a good time. And it, it, like pretty quickly, I thought I, I got really excited and thought this could be something pretty special. And he started, you know, sharing his collection of you know, all of his work, um, which is kind of, the, you know, we're telling his story and really the story of baseball through his work, all of, you know, all of his work. Um, so as he started sharing some of that with me and archives and photos from when he was a little kid, um, I realized that we had all the elements to make a make a great film.
0: Very cool, Mike. Do you have any questions? I know I've been dominating the conversation. Go ahead.
1: No, it's been short so far, so Mr. Perez, thank you. This is an honor. Uh, talking about the documentary and, and Mark approaching you, what made you say, "Yeah, let's do a documentary"? I think this would be great. I'm glad that you did, by the way.
2: Well, up to that. I, I had been receiving a lot of fan mail long after I uh, I was connected with Don Russ. And they were coming from people like you, Mike. They were coming to get autographs for Diamond King. They were calling, yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, uh, and then, because during the time I was doing them, there was no feedback by anybody. You guys were little kids, I guess. And... Um, we didn't have, e- well, I guess we had emails, but I mean, it was, it was, it was, uh, not something that I, uh, was thinking I was going to get. And I didn't, and I got, I got nothing from no, no comments from Don Rust themselves. I never got a pat on the back or, uh, but they just accepted what I did, which I guess they liked. And, uh, so when, uh, when I started getting a lot of fan mail after the turn of the century, uh, a lot of it was—it was overwhelming. I—I I, I didn't realize that. I mean, I knew that there would be something different in the in because the, there was nothing like that before, uh, other than in the fifties, when which is an experience that I I now recall as being different than regular photograph cards. When I collected tops uh, nineteen fifty-two or the Bowmans, I I knew they were different. I didn't know they necessarily that they were art, but I knew they were different, and I liked them. Uh, so. I, I would hope that there would be some people out there that would feel the same way about what I was doing, but it was really it was really nice to 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 get all the, all this uh, fan mail, and with life stories of, of almost of collectors and and how they had grown up and they have children and they're sharing this card collecting hobby with their children, whether it's a a daughter or a son, and uh, and then you get. A call from one of those guys who makes movies and i say yeah that that sounds you know good to me i, I just felt um that it's another flattering episode in my life so uh i'm glad he called
1: yeah me too and, you know i mentioned early in the show about my early collection and one thing i very clearly remember when i opened my collection back up a few years ago was uh you know i oh here's my griffey collection here's my juan gonzalez collection from the early 90s and, and being excited about those but then i opened the binder with the the downrest diamond kings and it was just like this it, it just hit me like man these are so beautiful yeah. the artwork was stunning on them and so i, I really appreciate that
2: yeah I, I i really i mean when you do 15 years of it and the first uh, half of that or less a little less than half of that. They were kind of the same although I changed the background a bit I just said this is getting boring for me and I decided to then remove those backgrounds and then do some more action figures and changing the whole thing from facial uh, Portraits to to actual action scenes and then I started going a little more crazy with color combinations and what have you my favorite year was 1995 those were my favorite and my favorite card of all of them of, of all 15 years is the chili davis card but uh yeah i i i uh, went crazy and then nobody said anything so i just kept doing it
1: well that chili davis isn't an action one though that's a profile no yeah right? he's looking off to the right right, right. That, technique, that
2: technique that technique I lended itself more to facial because I wanted to break the facial tones into absolute colors, not just flesh tones, but yellows and reds and blues for cool colors and shadows and things like that. So it really required them to be facial.
0: I love that. And I know, Mike, what's your favorite year of Diamond Kings?
1: 1992. Fred McGriff here. Oh, yeah.
2: 1992.
1: That's my favorite design every time I see it. But I also love like uh, what is this ninety six I think when they were numbered to ten thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So, yeah. I never. Rem- I don't know how many of those things. You know, I, I never knew that really how many Diamond Kings were produced and put into packs and what have you. I I, I used to get all every year. I would get my 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 share of them, but uh, and I got my own binders. So, uh, but I, I I never knew that the strategy and how they you know their Market areas that were better than others, or what have you. Um, but I'm sure they had figured it out. They they had tops to, to look at and what they were doing. So and Fleer and the others. So uh,
0: interesting because my favorite years of Diamond Kings are '82 and '83, which were the first two. And you were saying how you know it probably got did get boring. I mean '84 was a very different. You know, you had the red, white, and blue, the kind of the bunting look. Oh yeah, those um 85 you had the black border of the set itself you know surrounding the diamond kings but 82 83 like i see those and i can never tell unless i turn them over because one's got a black back you know writing and printing the other one's got a blue uh on the back Hmm. and so that's the only way you can really tell the difference unless you just know which players were in which year Right, right uh just love those um how much do you get into that story of the Diamond Kings in the documentary, Mark? Do you go through that quite a bit?
3: Yeah, we do. And, and you know, we're still making the film right now. We're still there's a little bit of shooting left um, and there's quite a bit of editing left. Um, but certainly that's um, a significant part. You know, that's part of the the real rise of, of Dick's career is. Uh, I guess in those, in those Perez-Steel years when he's working with Frank Steele and they start out with the Hall of Fame postcards and those are a big success. And there's all kinds of just great stories about Hall of Famers that um, inside of this story uh, with Yogi Berra, who was a huge fan of the cards, uh, getting Dick to sign you know the, 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 the Perez-Steel version of the Hall of Fame postcard to Joe DiMaggio not signing them, not signing those cards and having a rule that he wouldn't sign them. So we, we go into some of those fun stories as well too. But, uh, but certainly, you know, Diamond Kings, the film's called The Diamond King. Um, and those, are, were, were that, those cards were my entry into the work of Dick and the story. Um, so it's, it's certainly something that, uh, that, that we cover in good measure.
0: Well, if you need to add a segment, I'm just throwing this out there. You need to add a segment about a collector who is obsessed with Dick Perez artwork. You can come to Texas.
3: I'll shoot whatever you want. Uh, yeah, I, I'll keep it in mind. I mean, I definitely want to, um, you know, one of the things that's on the list is, you know, from the collector perspective, certainly that experience opening up that pack in 82 or 83 and seeing a Diamond King for the first time and just like, what is, you know, like recounting that experience. And then, you know, Mike, I, I, when we talked the other day, you shared with me your project and I know you've already shared it with your audience, so you might not want to go too much into it, but, you know, Dick would probably love to hear about what this uh project is that you've got going collecting everything that he's of, of a hall of famer right every uh card yeah
0: every hall of famer card uh so every diamond king through his whole tenure with diamond kings all of the hall of fame postcards that can be signed all of the i have the whole celebration set already um minus Jocko conlon who died shortly after the set was released
3: yeah, dick, not just the cards but signed by the Hall of Fame. Yeah, well, that's, that's a that's an effort.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh then you have of course uh the great moments which are fin- I got a few of them here. Here's a show. some guys haven't seen. Here's the Frank Robinson. Yeah, I like that pose. I yeah. love that you did Awesome. I get to talk I get to tell you how great of a job you did painting these. <laughs> uh there's the Hank Aaron. I love that. Just casual Hank looking off. At his – where he's going to hit his next home run, and then the this is fantastic. The Ted Williams,
2: yeah, my, my favorite Hall of Famer
0: is Ted Williams. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, Mike's going to love that. He's a Boston guy, so he's yeah, he's he was
2: a, he was a wonderful guy. He sent flowers to my partner's funeral from Florida, and uh, we played tennis together. I mean, he wasn't that great at tennis, but <laughs> but uh, he, you know they they of him that uh, he's the john wayne of baseball and no 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 no. john wayne is the ted williams of film because he he had that he really had that um ted williams but he he was a a nice
3: man he He really
0: was about him didn't he
3: yeah
0: yeah and then
3: uh mm -hmm. through the media you know that he was maybe standoff you know it was just that relationship that he had with the media but i've had the chance to talk to a handful of people including dick that actually knew him and it's a different story from you know real life than the media
2: from, from the very first time the very first time i met him he exhibited that he was going to be a good guy he was sitting across the room uh in the lounge of the otisaga hotel during a hall of fame weekend i had i hadn't met him probably my first year up there and he was sitting at a table and my partner knew the man he was speaking with, who was an, an agent for the Red Sox. And when my, when my partner's friend noticed Frank, my, my partner, he came over and he said, would you like to meet Ted Williams? And, and I said, and he said, yeah, we would. So he went back to talk to Ted Williams and we're sitting on the chair, like ready to get up to go over and he gets up and he comes to us. And I just, I mean, it's a moot thing, but I, I thought that was, you know, I didn't have to get up and walk across. He came across to me. And then the other, the other, maybe the following year, the Hall of Fame had uh, commissioned somebody to do a great wooden sculpture of him and a painting, and it was done by a New England artist whose name escapes me now. But we were on it; we had met for the first time on the tennis court, and when he found out again and remembered me from the lat, the previous year, he said, "Yeah, yeah, you're you're the artist." And I said, "Yeah," and he he goes, he calls his son John Henry. John Henry, come over here. Here's the artist. And I'm saying, Oh my God, he thinks I'm the guy that did the sculpture of the wood. And then, and then he comes over and he said, this is this is the, Perez, the guy who does the cards. And, you know, those kind of things just endear you, you to him because he, he didn't, uh, he didn't, he just was so, so kind about all these things.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of these athletes have a public persona and a private persona, right? right. Oh and, yeah, and A lot of the times they're very diametrically opposed to one another, but, at the core they're still good people and at least you didn't go fishing with ted williams he would have no, been or flying. Or, <laughs> or flying exactly but
2: he would fly up he would bring his own plane he would just come up and fly up
0: to the to cooperstown yeah nice Sorry.
2: i guess most times that's how he got there
0: so mark back to the documentary you said you're not done filming yet so what's your expectation on when the film will be
3: released uh Next year, sometime as far as the film being released, you know, it, it'll take a, a little bit in documentary. Um, there's some things you can control, you know, which you know, I've got access to Dick, which is great, so we can do those interviews. There's other things that scheduling comes into play. There's a few scenes that we want to do that, um, you know, we will probably be going up to Cooperstown and doing a scene there. Um, and then there's a few something that has to do with the current, uh, major league player that you know we might not it's up in the air when we can do that during the season. So there's a few things like that. Um and then the editing just takes time because um you know you can have a schedule but it's not done until it's done. So that can be you know a typical documentary feature length documentary is about a 9 month um post production schedule which includes doing the music and and all that as well too. Um and, but but I've kind of been doing this process a little bit differently where I'm just editing as I go. and you know, I think I've made three or four trips out to New York to to shoot with Dick and and some others, we did an interview with John Thorne, um, you know official historian of Major League Baseball, um, Peggy Steele, who's very involved with the Hall of Fame and was and uh, was a co-founder of uh, Perez Steele with with Dick and Frank. Um, so there's been some other interviews and there's some that are still on the list. so Anyway, it's a little bit hard to say exactly when it will be finished, but I would, um, and then it's got to go through the distribution, you know, pipeline as well too. But I would, I would anticipate that it'll be available. You know, I'm, we're shooting for summer next year. Um, and, uh, but we'll, we'll definitely have more updates on that as we go. And, what, and you, you know, I'm sure we'll get to this, but one thing that we're doing right now is we're in the process of uh, running a Kickstarter campaign to kind of help fund some of the rest of finishing the film. So the, the last part of production and the post-production.
0: Well, just so you know, I, I'll make myself available whenever, like, I, I don't want to impede your, you know, product production schedule. So I'll just be available whenever you call. Uh, <laughs> let's get to that next part, the Kickstarter campaign, because, I think this is one of the coolest things I've heard about in the hobby in a long time uh, is what you're doing to help fund the rest of the project. And that's introducing a new Dick Perez art set. So why don't you tell everybody about that?
3: Yeah. So Kickstarter is something that I've I've run a campaign on my previous films. It's just kind of, um, you know, one part of the financing puzzle to to in my case at least to do an independent documentary and it's been good experience and, and kind of the way that it works is um really what you, what you're doing is you're you're offering others to kind of join the team in a way um and once people do pledge to this campaign they're 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 part of the process because they you know i, I put out updates as we go on and so they get to see like a lot of the behind the scenes stuff so that's always been fun to kind of build that audience as we go but um in turn of a pledge for a certain dollar amount, you offer up rewards, and a lot of times, you know, the common rewards are in the in the film business. You give a copy of the film. Um, I try to do it like before it's actually publicly available, which is usually the day before because in the digital age, it's you don't really want to risk it being out there and just pirated. <laughs> um, but um, so that's a reward at the twenty five dollar level. But we wanted to get creative with this and think, you know, what is something that the hobby would really be excited about. And so um I can't remember exactly how it came up, but I think I just proposed to Dick, you know, what do you think about if we did like a new Dick Perez card set um with some uh including new works. And so and 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 Dick has been open to you know everything that we have wanted to do. He's been the best collaborator on this project, uh certainly the best collaborator that I've had working on a documentary. It's been great. And so he's and he just said, yeah sure, let's let's do this and 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 i didn't know he like he got right to work and every time i'm wondering like oh, i wonder if he's working on that painting like that day i'll see a uh, you know he'll send me a screenshot of the one that he was working on that day and um you know so he so he's recently painted shohei otani julio rodriguez uh aaron judge so those are the, the the new current players that are in this set but also goes back to babe ruth and and players that um Dick has always admired like Roberto Clemente, Mickey Mantle, uh, Ted Williams is in the set as well too. So um, yeah, it's a brand, brand new set limited to 499 sets and you can only get it through the movie.
0: Well, count me as one of the first people that's going to be participating in that. Now you've got to
3: get those and get them signed, right? So, <laughs> Dang it. Some of it. Yeah, you're going to have a spooky time with some of them.
0: <laughs> I can get Ted Williams to sign through his cryogenic yeah right you have to wait a while (laughs) uh, but that is so awesome uh definitely guys there will be a link both in the show notes of the uh podcast and in the youtube description to go to the kickstarter campaign because that'll be starting uh may 1st uh so by the time this video is released that'll have already started right mark is that
3: correct uh, yeah, May May first it launches, and actually, I think behind Dick, it, it, if uh, for people that are watching on video, there's um, the sketch of the, what is going to be the new Tom Siever, which will be the card. You can see part of Dick's process; he already kind of sketched that out, and we'll be we'll be painting that into a into a new Tom Siever card. Yeah, I have a little problem that? with likeness. I feel like I got to fix that. <laughs> got to get the likeness right, so yeah, he's
2: not not the Tom Siever I know, <laughs> but uh, you know, I I've done that a
1: lot. So you'll get there fixed you Go also ahead, have Mike. the judge there behind you too right
2: yeah that was the um, that was the beginning of well I'll finish it eventually but that was going to be the judge painting that we were hoping to maybe present to him and um, when that was before the end of last uh, season so when he hit his uh, 62nd that was automatically going to be the painting, because uh, you know you if you look close enough they'll have some some photograph of something that would capture the moment, and we had a great photograph which of a pose that I've always liked where you see the umpire behind the catcher behind the hitter, the ball and the bat, and uh, it's it's that that will be you know so I just stopped doing that one and I'll I'll eventually finish it but. But it's it's the 62nd home run that he that he hit last year, and uh, I'm hoping to to give it to. him.
0: So I'll tell you all a quick story. I was in. I live in Texas, and I'm a Rangers fan. So I went to the game. There was a doubleheader that day, and I went to the first game of the doubleheader. Judge is sitting on 61 home runs, and. Nope. And I said, Oh, I'm not going to go to the second game. There's no point. So I leave as a day night doubleheader. So everybody leaves and then they let everybody else back in for the night game. First inning, he hits the home run of game two. And I'm just like, yep, that's, that's you're about it. right. That feels about right that that would have happened that way. Uh, so that's so cool that you're adding incorporating new player, you know, current players along with greats of the game in this set. I think that'll make it, a lot more attractive to a broader base of collectors uh that you'll be able to, to do that how do you work with licensing because you know you've got fanatics basically owning everything uh and tops having an exclusive mlb license how are you able to include logos and stuff
3: like that i've got one of the, re- the reasons that we're offering it you know through this Kickstarter campaign we can um, and, and we have had those discussions to make sure that they're aware of it and everything but that's you know we're not we're not we're not putting these in walmart so right. uh, available, you know, for a pledge through the campaign. And w- what I was going to say, too, is the, the set is called Diamond Immortals, and that's playing off of two major releases in Dick's career, which would be the Diamond Kings, of course. And then his book, The Immortals, which is um, j- just an incredible book. It's a, it's a coffee table book. Any baseball fan should own this book, The Immortals. And then there's a supplement, like an update called The New Immortals. Uh, which were the new hall of famers that were inducted after the, the first one. Um, so, so it, that's why it's called the diamond immortals. Uh, but we didn't feel like the current players, you know, we can't call them immortals. Right. So those three cards of uh, Aaron judge, Shohei Otani and Julio Rodriguez have uh, diamond destiny on the top.
0: Love it. You mentioned Dick, the, the Seaver behind you. It's, it's part of that process that you go through to create a painting do you start with a photograph or are you, is it like original, you know, in your mind, I have this idea of what this player looks like, or do you start with a photograph and kind of go from there?
2: Well, unfortunately I have to start with a photograph. Some of these people either, it, you know, most of the players that i painted are from the past long gone. And, um, you, you don't you don't have them as a young player, so you've got to be you have to rely on photography. What I try to do is, unless the photo is so great, uh, like Charles Conlon photography, I don't know if you're familiar. Okay, well his photographs were magnificent. In fact, and I did some just honoring his photography, and and that's in that sense it was okay to do that. But I try to combine. Uh, photographs and make sort of an image of my own using the head on a different body even though it might be the same player or a player similar to to him uh, and the will change and I, I add uh, my own signage and when you're talking about an outfielder so you know I, you got to work for photographs but you've got to not just copy a photograph that's the last thing I want to do and the last thing I want to hear is somebody say that looks just like a photograph you know that's a seems like a pleasant thing to tell somebody who's painting and drawing, but it, it you know it's 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 not to me it's it's craft it's not art. So,
0: I mean, you know, all the old Bowman cards, early Topps cards that you collected as a kid, Dick. You know, they were artist renditions of of photographs, right? I mean, the I'll, I'll throw a trivia question out there: first Top set to use photographs and not art renderings. Anybody know? 1957 old old not
2: art rendering. You
0: 1957 mean? was actual photographs versus really. Yep. Prior to that, Tops had used other than 51, which doesn't really count, but 52 through 56 tops were all artist renderings, um, with 53 tops being very infamous for how beautiful the artwork is. Um, but Tops didn't use that until 57. Bowman, their first photograph set was 53. Uh, Bowman color and then Bowman black and white. Mm -hmm. So uh, I I think, I mean, obviously you have to use something as inspiration to paint your painting. So that totally makes sense to me. I was just curious about your process of doing that. And Mm -hmm. so you first sketch something out like kind of a rough draft basically to get an idea of perspective and ratios of where you want stuff in the, within the frame of the painting.
2: Yes. Now my favorite way of painting would be just to put the canvas and then just, Get the subject and just do draw with painting with paint, okay. but the that you can you, that that might not be the most foolproof way of making a likeness. You might have a great painting, but there's no. But and then again, that's not a big deal. People have painted great paintings that don't look like the actual subject. But but uh, so to be sure, I I do a, a rendering first, a drawing. And I might paint on top of that, or I might use it under, you know, as a guideline and what have you. Uh, So it's um, it's basically uh, black and white, monochromatic, and then color as I go along. And then I and then I just start playing with the color a little bit more as I get to the finish. I mean, my shadows in many paintings are cool blues as opposed to just a gray shadow. You know, I try to do color there, even in shadow, because shadows do have colors. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 my start. That's my uh, you for, to get to, to, to make sure that I get to the end that I want to get to.
3: You, you can even have, see, to kind of have it pre-done. You can see in that Aaron Judge too that the maybe it's a manager standing up in the dugout um, next to him. It's still the pencil sketch that hasn't been painted on yet, whereas a lot of the other stuff in that painting has been.
2: Because one of the ways you paint a scene like that is, it would take you forever to 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 get the 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 people in the right places. So what you do is you take your canvas and you grid it with lines, and then you grid the image you're following with lines. So at least you know the directions you're going in. It's not going to give you a tracing thing, but because you still have to draw it, but it but it but it it will put every subject throughout the Throughout the painting, you know, in the right place, with the right relationship to the to each other.
0: Totally makes sense. Mike, go ahead.
1: Yeah, uh, you talked a little bit about the creative process as you got into the nineteen nineties of the Diamond Kings cards. You talked about how you just kind of got bold with designs, and I'm curious, how do you go from this design here, which is is clean and and kind of it was unique at the time, but then immediately after that, it's this really cool. Bold, colorful design.
2: It, it's not an it's not a, uh, not, it's not an evolution. It's not something that that you know. It, it's, it's it's what strikes me at the time. Um, and you're kind. You, as an artist, you you want to. I mean, I'm I'm in the mood now to change subjects. I'm in the mood now because heroes that I painted have been sports figures, but life is full of heroes. I mean great ones out there. And I would like not a card set, but I would like to do a collection of my my paintings of people like Martin Luther King or the you know, the people who, who who had an impact on 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 society and our country and what have you and the world. Um, so you're constantly looking for it. Look at the the, 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 the evolution that picasso went through from from he was a when he was a young kid he was a painter of realism and he winds up with the craziest stuff at the end of his life so it was it was always a, a constant search to express yourself and uh and 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 it's it's an idea thing you know my idea of what i want to how i want to express myself it's plays a part in it so uh from one you know it, a it, 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 that's when i got a little Tired of the initial Diamond King because I was doing the same design. Basically, they were different. The backgrounds are different, but they were basically the same design. And and I just had to move away from that because I think I had more to offer than, than, than that particular uh, presentation.
0: Well, again, Dick, I'll throw this out there. Mike, is his his channel is called Junk Wax Hero. So that kind of makes him a pseudo hero. And so if you want to include him in your heroes, you know, Renditions, then uh, he might be willing to send you a snapshot you could paint a painting off of. But
3: I, I think w- when I met Dick, he was probably pretty close to getting started on this new path of of, of painting heroes outside of baseball, outside of sports. And I feel bad because you know he's been, <laughs> the past several months he's just been working on these paintings uh, for for the movie, which it's it's great. I'm I'm happy about. It. I think you're having fun though, Dick. Right? I
2: am, I'm, and it makes me live longer. I'm going to live longer because I still have to do that other thing. <laughs> but, oh, I- but, but, and I'll never stop doing, you know, uh, I'll never stop doing dead ball era players, <clears throat> which are my favorite to paint, or Negro Leaguers, which also are a favorite of mine. Uh, the uniform today, I, I, the, 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 the I'm getting, I don't want to do today's stuff. The, the masks and the gloves are so complicated that I, I can't give you a true representation of what a glove is, whether a baseball glove is. Uh, the uniforms are slick and shiny and they're colored, you know, it doesn't have the same bagginess and, and that tradition, which is what, I mean, it doesn't make it bad or wrong. It's just that that's where I am. I'm, I'm back in, uh, in the, in the era where baseball was baggy, we baggy uniforms.
1: That's fascinating. I would have never thought of that about modern baseball compared to old time yeah. baseball, but you're right. Totally. Yeah, right. The,
2: the science is it, there's so much science in in baseball equipment that the, uh, um, you know, I, I I like the I like I like a painting with with a not with a a batter with the, his glove in the back pocket. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've got a few paintings like that. Where 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 they that's where they kept their glove a lot of time. Or well, sometimes they just drop it on the field and the next the guy from the other team would pick it up and play with it.
1: So You've talked you've talked before about how prolific you were in the eighties and nineties with these and you were able to just paint them in, in four hours or so. Do you still find it that it's that that fast still today?
2: Yeah, except for the paintings like the Aaron Judge back there portraiture and poses, and I don't like doing poses too much. But uh, yeah, they they're, they're you, you just you, you kind of get good at it. You know, you, you just you just know what your next step is going to be. It's pre- you you have your own predictable process of of getting to a, to an end point. I never know exactly what it's going to end looking up looking like, uh, like but uh, I know it's going to be right because I've had I've done it all the time. So you know, I never go into a painting sure of myself even though I am, but I, you know, I still have that, that hesitancy of, of of, is it going to turn out the way I want this to turn out? Sometimes it doesn't, but it turns out better or sometimes it doesn't, but it turns out okay. So, uh, you know, I'll just keep popping along.
0: I want to get back real quick to the Kickstarter campaign because uh, first of all, Dick, I am so thrilled that you're making another set, um, that you're contributing to another set and, I'm so excited to see how it all turns out, what the checklist looks like. I'm actually excited to see how many players are still alive that I can't sign, like Mark said earlier, like, oh, my gosh, another added. Collectors are always looking for what's next because you get to a point with any project and you're like, okay, I'm kind of to the real tough ones now. So what can I do next that has some low-hanging fruit that makes it easier as a collector to get some W's on the board, you know, in, in terms of making progress in a collection, but Mark, how long will this campaign go on? Do if it, if it starts May 1st, is it, you're reaching your, till you sell out of the sets, you know? That no,
3: no. Be- yeah. It, it's time. So um, it's, it's going to be, I think it's 32 days. Usually you, you might do a campaign that's about 30 days, but I think the 30th day was a Wednesday. So I felt, I think, you know, let's just go ahead and take it through that Friday. Um, so it's about a 32 day campaign. Um, and the way that Kickstarter works is if you don't, you have a monetary goal. Um, in our case, it's thirty thousand dollars, and if you don't raise that, you actually all the pledges go back to the the donor, and and you know the campaign's over and it's unsuccessful. Um, so you you only you know get the funding if you hit your goal. So our goal is thirty thousand um, dollars, and if we do have sets left over. Um, those will continue to be available through the movie. So once the movie's out and there's film festivals that we'll be going to and things like that, if there are remaining sets, uh, they'll be distributed that way. So we're not going to be, you know, putting them online necessarily or anything like that. Um, hopefully we can sell out during, during the uh, campaign. That would be great because that would mean we'll, we'll exceed our, our, our goal.
2: Well, what will happen, though, is somebody will copy them and sell them. I mean, I, I, I have so much product out there that I didn't do. Uh, they take they take my art and they they could they have continued the whole, the Perez Steel Hall of Fame art postcards.
0: <laughs> I, I've done that. I take them and I print them and I get them signed. Um But they're they're just okay. for me. I just print. Yeah, one. no,
2: no. These are it's a product. They're, they're just oh, selling yeah. these. Uh, oh you know, yeah, I'm eBay. not. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm not and going eBay's... to jail today. Okay, good. I don't no, want to no, go to no, jail. no, no. no I, said,
2: I don't listen. I don't even mind that because it's flattering. I mean, it, it's fine, but it's, it's, it's the idea that if they're reproducing them, are they reproducing them in a good way so that it's not damaging what, what the colors of the art that I did, you know, because printing, the printing pro- there is a printing process. And if you're trying to make money out of it, you're going to, that's you. Yeah. So well, I did, that- I
0: took the Roberto Alomar painting that you had done whenever he got in and I had a friend print it on some cardstock. There's only one of these that's mine. And that's that's fine with me. Thank you. No, yes. no that's fine. No, I mean, that, it's it I,
2: I, it's just what it, they're using me as a uh, uh, the, the basis for their business, so to speak. And, I am not. And, I'm using you know, And I try to, <laughs> to deal with eBay, but they're they just they, they're in the business of putting people together to buy and sell. They're going to protect them. And not that they're, they know that they did wrong, but they make you go through a process of, you know, mountainous stuff of documents to sign and proof that you really are being uh, taken uh, advantage
0: of yeah yeah.
2: so anyway but uh and i don't mind people uh doing what you're doing because you you're continuing what i'm not able to continue anymore it it, it wouldn't be easy to 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 keep going with those cards because the landscape has changed with the agents and you know they, they they started it started to happen when we were doing it back in and back in the time when when we were still doing the the uh, the Hall of Fame art postcard they were like the Gaylord Perry's didn't want to sign for it yeah we finally got them to do that but uh, it was it was tough and and well, the I celebration
0: to sorry to interrupt you the, the celebration set didn't include Mays and Brock cuz you had that same problem That's right they, exactly they were, they were living at the at the time mm-hmm. I will tell you that I do have a hard time my my guy who actually prints this the painting is a different ratio than the card And so it make it kind of elongates the painting. So if you could just send me one that, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Send you a painting on card. (laughs) No, send me, send me one that I can make. No, I'm just, I'm totally kidding. I'm happy just to have, to continue your art. And I I do mean it as the most, uh, I don't know how to say this. Like I do this to honor what you've given us as, as a hobby I'm not-
2: well, the whole point is is for you to enjoy them, and you know, and and for, and and I mean that from the standpoint of I know the mindset of collectors and fans and heroes and all that. I mean, and I and I because I, I, I was that kind, you know, I'm, not, I'm that way. Uh, so I don't that I don't mind. It's when, for example, I get, and this is the funniest thing, I get fan mail and I get fan mail, guys who having. I have asked friends to send me bunches of cards for me to sign and then they sell them on eBay sign Dick Perez cards and uh, after a while you say wait a minute this is the same even though it's a different name It's almost the same area, the same handwriting, the same type of, he begins his letters the same way and it's a different person but it's not so I just stopped signing them all together you know those those kinds signing up together because uh, they're just It's, I don't know. I just think it's
0: wrong. Well, I have to like, so here's like a Bobby Cox that I still need to get signed. And finding that font, by the way, was very difficult to find the font that y'all used. Let let me see if you got it. There's Griffey.
2: Yeah, I don't think that font I haven't found. So, I mean, again, it's it's pretty difficult. it's It's an unusual typeface, and I thought I had it.
0: Trevor Hoffman. Uh huh. Uh, I love your Jeter, by the way, It's fantastic. been yeah. a young Jeter, uh, <laughs> Randy Johnson. And then I'll show one more. This is, this is my kind of sad story. So I, I had sent this Bruce Suter to a private signing and he was scheduled to sign in like a couple of weeks. Yeah. And then he passed away. And he I'm was, like, he was oh. yeah, he was, uh, it might've been a no, one or two others, but
2: he was one of the uh, few that bought my book. He liked my work. It was it was very flattering. I never met him. I didn't. I didn't you know, I never had the opportunity. But uh, yeah, it's sad to see seen him go that way.
0: Well, I'm continuing the tradition of you know what you did and what you. Yeah, I'm not sure you've got
2: that typeface right. But uh, I, I'd like to see a you know a clearer up of it just to see I'll if it's still a, available.
0: Send. I'll send you a scan and you can okay, tell. Me- okay, that'll be good. It's the closest we could find to get yeah, in the right, right. typeface. To, I, but choose,
2: yeah, I chose that typeface because it was very rare, and uh, um, then I can't find it anymore. And just to make, I'm saying, I wonder these, if these guys are going to find that type, typeface, and I haven't found it yet. And you know, my thoughts: there are a number of companies that that have an extensive collection of uh, typography.
0: What about? Uh, are you going to do McGriff this year, and uh, Scott Rowland? Are those going to get done?
2: Yeah, they'll get done. uh,
0: And for the whole thing, uh,
2: but I mean, I I hesitate, knowing not you know for you, (laughs) I'll do it, and I I just well, it's going to be published, so they'll pick it up anyway. Um, Yeah, I I I don't want to break up the continuity of that. I've I've done it. Well, first I did it because even though the the set of cards were no longer being produced my work was still being hung at the hall of fame in the year of their induction. And they did that for a number of years. And then eventually they didn't. Uh, but, um, but I, I always felt, I don't know why I just felt compelled to keep doing it. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's just nostalgia or what have you. Um, and I, and I also have another thing about Scott Rowland in that I have this collection of paintings that at the ballpark of, uh, uh, the Phillies uh, and uh, Veterans Park. Yeah, every time they have a Hall of Fame art club. That, I mean, uh, Art uh, Cooper Cooperstown Gallery, they call it. And uh, I've done the last guy I did was uh, Holiday Halliday, and I think, but I haven't gotten their their uh, requests yet to to, to do a Scott Rowland, I'm going to have to reach out to them and see if they do want me to do it because I think they're going to be doing something with him sometime on the stadium to honor him. And this would be the, you know, the, the, the right thing to be doing to to present to them. Uh, so, but, you know, so they still live in my, you know, in my, in my world. And, uh, I still think of painting them. Um, and I liked Scott Rowland. He was a good person. I don't, didn't know him that well, but he he was, he was very cooperative. So, um, I'll,
0: I'll have to see. I'll have to see. Mike, what else you got for Mr. Perez or Mr. Yeah, my,
1: my last question, Mr. Perez, was: um, Have you ever seen somebody replicate your work in painting and have it look accurate? Have it look as good as yours or close to it?
2: Hmm. Good question. Um, uh, no, I might have tried to, <laughs> you know, to 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 follow somebody. Like there was a. a uh, uh, a sports artist named Merv Corning. He was used a lot by NFL properties and he was a watercolorist and he did great work. There were a number of, I have my own favorite batch of illustrators. Um, and that's basically, by the way, what I call myself. I call myself an illustrator more than, you know, an artist painter because I'm doing something that is illustrating a certain event, a certain person, a certain time. Um, and, but I've never, I've never, I haven't seen, uh, you know, I mean, they haven't explored it as much as I have, it's, you know, exploited it and gone to the, to the I mean, from that first Diamond King to the 1995 Diamond King, the, the differences are being, you know, I think most artists tend to find their place and they stay there. And they, you know, they just do it in the same art style because they, it's, 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 uh, confidence that they're going to achieve what they,
3: you know, they're, they're, they're attempting to do. Yeah, it, you know, it's Thank interesting. You. I, I've had people describe Dick's work to me everywhere from, oh, he's a realist painter to he's a, a, an impressionist painter, you know, so you can't really define his work because it has changed so much over the years.
2: Yeah, and and the, the one thing that I I started doing watercolor watercolors was really the thing to go because they, these paintings had to be dried to go to the printer because a lot of the paintings that we're doing was going to be reproduced in a yearbook or what have you. So we had an art show in New York, and me we, we meaning Frank Steele and Peggy Steele and I you know got into a, a nice uh, art gallery, and um, there was a fellow named Barry Halper who I'm, maybe you've heard of him, okay. Yes. He, he he and I became you know friends and but I hadn't met him yet. And um, we we said Barry How- I was told Barry Hopper's was gonna be here there and he's a real I mean he's a Yankee guy all the way. So I did a lot of Yankee paintings and he bought them all. So but he took me aside and he knew that these were watercolors and he said, Have you ever painted in oil? And I said, Not yet. And he said, Well, you should start painting in oil because uh, that's where really it is. And he knew that, I guess as a collector or whatever. And sure enough, I went into painting in oils and, and at first it was crude. I mean, I have oil paintings that were published that I say, oh, I put them way down deep in my files. I don't even look at them anymore. Uh, I mean, they were acceptable, they did, but it's not what I had imagined myself, uh, you know, an oil painting should be. So I credit, I've credit. i always credited Barry Halperby opening my eyes to, to, to going into another medium to express myself.
0: That's awesome. I have one last question too, and we'll let you guys go. Thank you again so much for your time, both of you today. Uh, But you know, as you're, as you're promoting this movie and trying to get it out there and get the word out, have you guys thought about going to the national sports collectors convention and kind of putting on a little, you know letting people know kind of what's going on
3: where is it always in the same place or does it change every year
0: it changes every year rotates between a few cities this year it's in chicago in july next year it'll be cleveland Uh, and then the year after it'll be chicago so every other year it's chicago Uh, but next july it'll be cleveland Uh, so yeah i mean it's you're gonna have a whole lot of Dick Perez fans in that room.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's a good idea. It's kind of been on my list to pursue at some point. You know, this this campaign that we're running will be over by then. Uh, but as far as promoting the movie when it's ready, um, it's probably not a bad idea. If we can, get, have... uh, we can get Dick on an airplane, you know? I have, I have
2: uh, a thought. I, I've been invited. There's a young uh, artist who, uh, James Ferencino, his name is, good artist. And, um, He's involved very much in the in the uh, convention in Philadelphia, which is one of the, among the first that were of these you know uh, the Philly show. Yeah, and um, I I had done that show long when I was starting out, and he says you don't do shows anymore. I said no, I really don't. I you know kind of laid back now, and he says well, you should try to come to the to the uh, to the to the September of this coming of this year that we're in. Uh, in Philadelphia, you're going to have Steve Carlton supposed to be there and Mike Schmidt, you know, people you know and have painted. And I, I first I didn't, you know, I, it, the hoopla and I, they were going to make a special thing out of it. But then I thought, you know, Mark should be filming. I mean, he, he's talking diamond, he's talking collector, he's talking the game. But these shows are amazing. I mean, they, they have some of the things that they have there uh, you've ne- I've never seen before or you know many people can say that uh, and that might be a possibility for the film you know we might we might just do that and appear in that particular venue of that show so but that's pre but you know pre-production
0: absolutely yeah let let us know when you're going we'll Mike and I might show up at that show that'd be kind of yeah kind of fun to see you walking around doing that. That'd be kind of cool.
3: Yeah, uh, the production behind the scenes, we'll be shooting, you know.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Well, guys, thanks so much. Uh, Mike, thanks for, for helping me uh, get through this with my Mr. Pleasure. Perez. Dick, thank you for what you've done for us as collectors. Good. Just genuinely, truly, as a as a 50-year-old guy, y- you know, you your career has spanned my career in the hobby. And it is... Uh, <laughs> It's so special to me. I can't tell you how much your your artwork has meant to me over the years. You and, again, other artists as well. But I just love art and baseball cards seem like a perfect marriage. And you bring that to a whole nother level of awesome. So thank you. And, Mark, thanks for your efforts to make this documentary become a reality. So cool to tell Mr. Perez's story. And just appreciate what you're doing. So thanks, guys.
3: Well, thank you guys. Thanks for
0: having us again. <laughs> All right, everybody get out there. Go look, check the links below. Make sure, uh, just go do Get Your Set After I Get Mine and Mike gets his, but let's sell this out. Let's keep this movie uh, on track and get it out there for other collectors to enjoy. Thank you guys for watching and keep collecting.